we are going to be talking about orbs, arcs, and we're going to be looking at motherships. A good place to start is in the medieval era. In 1490, you had reports of orb sightings in Europe. And so there was drawings, paintings, reflecting the emergence of these orbs. In 1507, I believe, you had the Reformation. It introduced a new way of understanding scripture and how they approached science, a very pivotal time in history. So it's not surprising that orbs played a role. For example, this drawing by a local artist, Hans Glaser, who wrote at the time in 1561 about this phenomenon in Nuremberg, there was a sky battle involving orbs and other types of craft. Quite extraordinary. So he wrote, quote, and in the sun above and below and on both sides, the colour was blood. There stood a round ball of partly dull, partly black ferrous colour, describing a metallic orb and that this was involved in a sky battle. And it wasn't just Nuremberg in 1561. There was also in 1565 in Basel, there was a, another battle, a sky battle between black orbs and white orbs. There are many reasons why the extraterrestrials would want to use orbs. And of course, orbs represent a technology where you could record everything that is happening. There have been sources that describe this age, this era, the medieval era, and even earlier in history as, as a time when extraterrestrials were monitoring humanity, that this has been going on for thousands or hundreds of thousands of years, even millions of years. Dolores Cannon's book, uh, The Convoluted Universe, she does this uh, hypnotherapy on clients who relive their past lives or recall their past lives, and they report extraterrestrials monitoring humanity from many thousands, hundreds of thousands of years ago. Extraterrestrials were typically considered to be angels or demons, depending on you know, the kind of experience or what was the local culture at the time. It's very interesting when you look at the term Messiah. Messiah literally means anointed one, an individual chosen or contacted by God, angels, extraterrestrials. I mean, those terms are, I believe, synonymous when we're looking at history. Orbs were interacting with people at the time, and this is how you had early contact experiences. So, for example, orbs would select individuals to be taken up into the ships and they would go through a decontamination process. And if you go to the Book of Enoch, uh, which is really an extraterrestrial contact experience that was undergone by this patriarch called Enoch around the time before the flood, and he went through what now we would consider to be extraterrestrial contact experiences, he considered it and his contemporaries considered it to be experiences where he was taken into the heavens, where he encountered both angels and demons and the Lord of days. When we look at this from the perspective of primitive humans understanding or interacting with extraterrestrial technologies, we can understand Enoch was chosen, he was taken up into the spacecraft, he was decontaminated. All the germs were removed and then he was able to meet with the extraterrestrials and, and not bring any contaminants on board. Now, when he went back and described 
what happened to him, that was how the idea of the anointed one began. So the concept of the Messiah dates back to Enoch. He was recognized for certain qualities, taken up into the ships, decontaminated. So he was the anointed one. Where orbs stand today, now orbs were seen during the Second World War. Uh, you have uh, the Foo Fighters, very famous sightings during the Second World War. Uh, there's one of the bombers uh, during the uh, air raids over Germany. And there you can see some Foo Fighters. And they were considered at the time to be a Nazi secret weapon. It says, Supreme Headquarters, December 3rd, Reuters. The Germans have produced a secret weapon in keeping with the Christmas season. The new device, apparently an air defense weapon, resembles the huge glass balls that adorn Christmas trees. The Allied powers, they were trying to work out what kind of a wonder weapon had the Nazis developed. Uh, we know from various sources that the Nazis were actually developing orbs during the Second World War. They actually had developed four types of orbs, each with specific functions. The fireball, the ball lightning, the ball weapon, and a decoy called soap bubbles. This was actually happening during the Second World War. So there, there was knowledge of these technologies that were being secretly developed by the Nazis with the help of reptilians. So now we get to 2004, a big year when it comes to crop circles. Haini Mossam, he got a film of orbs flying over the Gulf of Mexico. So what we are about to see wasn't something you could see with the naked eye, but it was caught by the infrared camera of the surveillance aircraft. I think they were looking for kind of drug smugglers. And there you have it, a formation of orbs flying over the Gulf of Mexico. And it was at a similar altitude. And the Mexican pilots were very concerned because the orbs got very, very close to them. We have these uh, Navy UFO videos that were declassified dating back from November 2004. So we're talking eight months after the Gulf of Mexico incident. You have uh, the US Navy now interacting with these craft. Uh, the first film that was declassified showed the, the famous Tic Tac UFO. But the second film that was declassified showed an orb. This was the uh, 2005 US Navy orb video. This was a no-go area. It was a, a naval testing ground, and the orb was seen by these uh, F-18 pilots who photographed it. Then you have in April 2016, another orb appears in Mosul, Iraq. This was also released to two researchers, Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp. And so there you see a metallic orb flying over Mosul, Iraq, during the American occupation. So yeah, and again, this is a military film image, an intelligence agency filmed image, and it's called the Mosul Orb. So that's telling us that this is official film footage. It's not CGI. It is genuine military-related film footage of UFOs released into the public 
arena or at least leaked and then looked at by these uh, official bodies such as the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office that was uh, created last year. Now, the public is also taking photographs of orbs. 14 orb lights on September 28. But I thought it was very interesting that many orb sightings that are being recorded on film, not just by the military, but also by, by the general public. This is Navy film footage of an orb flying over the ocean and actually submerging into the oceans. So that's the orb somewhere there in San Diego, off the coast of San Diego. Frank Omaha, Pitney Kid, Rocco Frost, the pass ability to launch Kilo ASAP. Keep going, bro. Keep going, bro. Keep going, bro. Keep going, so, so far, what I've talked about are orbs that were extraterrestrial, the very early orbs that I discussed earlier on in the 1500s. During the Second World War, the Nazis were helped in building orb technology for the first time by their extraterrestrial allies. So now you have extraterrestrial-made orbs, you have human-made orbs. Uh, one, one of the sources that I've talked about extensively over the last uh, several years is uh, JP, who I've mentioned is currently working with the US Army. But prior to him joining the Army, he was a contactee, a civilian contactee. He was taking photographs of these orbs. And these, these orbs were not just distant. Here you have an example of orbs that JP saw with the naked eye. And uh, these orbs, you can see here's a sequence of photos, three photos that he took on November 5, 2015, showing an orb approaching and interacting with him. So now we get to space arcs and ancient technologies and, and their relationship to orbs. I've spoken about space arcs in a previous webinar and how their existence is recorded throughout human history the last time they became very active was uh, during the pre-flood era, around uh, 11,600 years ago, maybe the end of the Younger Dryas period, which, 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 is, which is consistent with uh, the end of Atlantis as Plato recorded it. There are over 200 arc stories or flood stories all over the world similar to the Noah's Ark. So the bottom line is that there's not just one space arc. It wasn't just Noah and the, and the ark. It was many space arcs all over the Earth. During times where there isn't a cataclysm, the space arcs lie dormant. And the crews of the space arcs go into a state of hibernation or stasis where their consciousness can actually leave the, um, the body and enter into the human incarnation cycle. Now, you know, people often say, well, where's the evidence for any of this? And their question, where is the evidence? We, we need to always ask that question. We shouldn't accept anyone on faith. We need to 
cross-reference. We need to analyze people's credentials. We need to make sure that they're not trying to benefit from giving us tall stories. And because I've known JP since 2008, I've developed a long history with him, and I know that he's completely legit. He's not giving me these reports for any other motive other than this is what is happening to him. So in the case of JP, there is corroboration, independent corroboration. There was a remote viewing experiment done of the Atlantic space arc. Long story short, a team of remote viewers investigated a set of alphanumerics that they were given in a double-blind experiment. What they saw had a portal. They described God Kings. They, they described spacecraft. And they described temporal anomalies. anomalies. These were all things that JP reported on in his mission updates to the Atlantic Space Arc. So this is independent corroboration. You know, and I have to kind of give a shout out to Elena Dinan here because she corroborated through her source, Thorhan Eretian, that the biggest space arc on the Earth is buried there in the Atlantic Ocean in this precise location. So now we get to some of the other space arc stories or reports that have emerged. Elena and Jean-Charles Moyen visited a space arc at Lake Vostok in Antarctica. What's interesting is that Jean-Charles was taken to Lake Vostok in Antarctica and he reported on a space arc that was there. And Elena Denan was also taken there by the Galactic Federation and she verified that she was at Lake Vostok with Jean-Charles and could verify as a witness that he was having this encounter with the space arc. So Jean-Charles has visited five space arcs at the moment. He's visited the space arcs in Japan, Antarctica, Tibet, Egypt, and Hawaii. Another corroborating piece of data is that Jean-Charles teleported to the same arc when he was seven years old. And he actually did a, a journal diary. Now, okay, that's amazing. That's amazing, really, uh, because as an adult, he teleports to the same place, and there was, he sees the same space arc that he witnessed as a seven-year-old. I really applaud Jean-Charles because he's, unlike many people that have incredible stories that do nothing to back it up, he actually goes that extra mile, as does Elena, to come up with corroborating data to support their experiences. So the space arcs, they're activating all over the world and they're releasing probes. And they are getting data on humanity because we are approaching a, a dramatic shift in planetary consciousness. We are approaching the end of an age. Internet has enabled us to establish this kind of incredible interconnect, interconnection across the planet and develop empathy. And I think that the internet has enabled this rise in consciousness. And that's probably why we have been given a reprieve that we are not headed to a planetary catastrophe where we are going to be rescued by the arcs. We are heading for a planetary 
evolution or ascension where the arcs will come and assist in that transformation into this new age, into this Star Trek future, this incredible new world that we're heading towards. So let's hear JP as he describes what he was told. So why did they show you that library? They showed me this library to explain what are these orbs flying around and who's controlling these orbs. So these orbs are being controlled by the arts, but we all know who control the arts. You know, how this is affecting how people are seeing UFOs, UAPs, whatever you want to call them. That's very interesting because I know that the Harvard astronomer, uh, Professor Avi Loeb, and the head of the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, have uh, just released a paper where they talk about motherships in our, arriving in our solar system being behind all of these small metallic orbs. So it sounds like maybe they know about this library or they were given this similar intel? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they know about this library and they're letting the public know what's happening because it is getting to the point that it's people are are seeing them, you know, and, and, and some particular people that are chosen also, they can summon these orbs, people that have the DNA or connected to these to these arcs. And it's kind of interesting because I was looking at the guy reading it and he was looking at me and he asked me, hey, you've been to these arcs, right? So what is that you feel when you go to these arcs? I say, I feel happiness. I feel a sense of freedom. I, I feel that the arc is connected. So there's, there's people that are connected to these arcs as well as connected to these orbs. And these orbs sometimes pick up these particular people that are chosen to bring them back to the ark for them to download the information that it's out there or inner earth because some inner earth civilization also have beings that are connected to the arts and also come in and out i remember when i went to the chambers where the ant people are i was seeing these orbs flying around and just studying certain beings and just leaving, grabbing information. Um, we're gonna have, we're gonna come to a point that everybody are gonna see these UAPs, UFOs, but these are really orbs and crafts that are receiving information to bring back to the ark. And people are gonna see more and more of these orbs. There are many powerful institutions that are very interested in what the orbs, what the arcs are doing right now. What's their function? What, what are their primary goals? So this is where we get to the US military, <clears throat> who in particular in the US military is in the thick of this. Well, as far as the US government is concerned, I mean, the Biden administration, you know, that's just a show that they don't have any real power when it comes to these covert projects. Joint Chiefs of Staff, you might think, well, maybe those guys, you know, General Mark Milley, wouldn't he know? He's the chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff. No, no he wouldn't. He, he's not in the loop. He doesn't have need to know. 
<clears throat> because the Joint Chiefs of Staff, that's an administrative arm. They have no control over uh, operations, over the commands, US military. The people that are running these two particular commands in the United States, to the best of my understanding, are the ones that are most in the know. They have need to know. The head of the United States Space Command, General James Dickinson. And Northern Command is headed by General Glenn Van Herc. And he's the same general that Elena Danan says Thorhan Eredian saw at this underground facility in the Blue Ridge Mountains who was handed an extraterrestrial disclosure plan in January of this year. Uh, JP confirmed that the military is going through ancient manuscripts trying to get data on exactly what was known about the orbs and the arcs by the ancients. I asked one of my um, longtime sources for what he thought about the orbs, and that is Alex Collier. He answered a question in terms of what function are they playing right now? The orbs. They're moving around the planet looking for crew or passengers, which would be crew. If you're on board of a ship, you know, and you do anything, you're part of the crew. That's what I think they're doing. And that's all I can say at the moment. Jean-Charles Moyen, he describes three kinds of orbs involved in intelligence gathering. The extraterrestrial, which we've discussed, the military intelligence or the military corporate orbs that we've also discussed. And the, and the interdimensionals, the organic or plasma that uh, people like Michael Ledwith have been doing extensive research on, and I showed you some photos. The interdimensional factor is something we need to also keep in mind that these orbs track the consciousness of the planet. So as our consciousness rises, then we're going to be witnessing more of these inter, interdimensional or these spirit orbs, if you like, the interdimensional aspect of that. So now we get to the newly arrived extraterrestrial cedar motherships that have been releasing orbs. They've been a catalyst for tremendous changes. And because they began releasing orbs, many orbs, to monitor, to study what is happening on the Earth, what is the state of consciousness on planet Earth. Now, they're not so much interested in an individual, but they're interested in the collective consciousness. So JP on the deep state, confusing the public over orbs from our recent interview where he reported back from this uh, base somewhere underground in Alabama, Tennessee area. And a lot of people, they're going to realize that there's going to be good UAPs and there's going to be bad looking drones UAPs. Mm. And because of the bad ones, people will get confused of the good ones. So I want people to understand that there's going to be two types. Everything is going to happen the same time. That's the thing. So when it, when something good happens, they always want to do something bad to take out the good. Uh, how can I put this? Well, that's clear that the, that the deep state, that the negative factions, that they want to confuse people, that they will release probes that are negative, you know, like the ones that were shot down, I assume that these were 
belonging to some corporate program and just to start frightening people about these probes or these orbs because they know that the orbs and the probes being released by the arcs and the uh, motherships or the cedar craft, these are going to perform a positive function. So they're going to release their own probes to confuse things and frighten people. And, and, and they have the mainstream media that they control to put out this false narrative that the probes are a threat, they're a national security threat and, and frighten people. So yeah. And, 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 and the people's eyes, everything is going to be a threat that's floating around. It, you know, the, the people that know there's going to be positive arcs up there. There's going to be real ships out there. But there's also going to be types of lost ships also. And the thing is that these these ships, they're going to attack planes and they're going to attack the friendly ships. And these friendly ships, they're organisms. They're, they're peaceful. They're ancient. If they feel threatened, they will not hesitate. So the orbs from the Cedar motherships. Let's get Elena's perspective on what the orbs from the Cedar motherships are really doing. A lot of these orb sightings that are happening all around the world, there's been a lot of speculation as to where these come from. So I just wanted you to talk a little bit about the, the Cedar ships, because I know you talked about, I think it was four Cedar ships that you fleet and were approaching the Earth and were going to park around the Earth and, and do things. Yes, um, the, the Intergalactic Confederation who were, that arrived in October 2021 in our star system, they were they are 500 motherships near in the vicinity of Jupiter. A few months later, in 2022, they brought four motherships in orbit of Earth. They are cloaked; you can't see them, and that's when uh, a disclosure plan was started with the Intergalactic Confederation, that they would also show their ships uh, more often in the Earth atmosphere to start to get people used to see scout ships and flying saucers, etc. Uh, recently, a few months ago, not, not very far from now, uh, two more ships of the Federation, of the, the Intergalactic Confederation, sorry, arrived in the orbit of Earth, two more mother ships. So now there are six intergalactic confederation motherships in the orbit of Earth, cloaked. So why is the deep state afraid of the orbs, arcs, and motherships? The deep state have been abandoned because the draconians and the Orion Greys have left. And as a consequence of that, the deep state, the dark fleet, they've been losing bases. They've been losing planets. They've been losing resources that are essential for maintaining power. And as the orbs and the motherships and the arcs are appearing, the deep state is losing ground in this kind of like battle for the heart and soul of the, of the solar system. And so right now, we are in the midst of a battle between the Earth Alliance against this Luciferian consortium of global elites. All the deep state can do is delay, distract, and confuse. That's all they can do. So bottom line is nothing can stop what's coming. Nothing can stop what's coming. We are heading for this planetary revolution. We are heading for this golden age 
our future is this. Our message will get out because at the end of the day, if you put out a message of fear, desperation, people are not going to resonate with that. You put out a message of hope, positivity, people will resonate with that and they will create that future in alliance with very powerful forces. And that's what's happening right now. There's a good possibility that you are in communication with your future self. Think about that. Your future self is on the other side of what's coming. And your future self on the other side is communicating with you now, saying, keep the faith. Everything's going to be good. Stay in a high vibe. You know, eat good foods. Get out in nature. Meditate. Communicate with your future self.